Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, guys, you guys ready for another week of Talking Preps? Absolutely. Week one was pretty good. We got a lot of viewership. Hopefully everybody be back for week two. We got Mia Zaris in the back from Mars Park. Alex says he's ready to go. That's kind of scary to me. Uh, I don't know what he's going to say. <laughs> On the back side of this, we're going to get started. All right, as we do with the Facebook Press, we're going to hit the rundown. Uh, Alex, I'm coming to you first. <laughs> I'm a little afraid because you do know the topics. I'm a little afraid. Is the East closed the talent gap on the West, Alex? Oh, is it a gap or a chasm? <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm just asking a question. It's a chasm. It's been a chasm that's persisted for decades. This has been going on almost a 50-year phenomenon now. No, it's nonsense. The gap is not being closed. We all know that historically the West has been better than the East. It's really not even a conversation. We could go on and on and on. You know, it's actually very fitting here. Let's just go ahead and acknowledge we're here with the legendary Gary Richmond right here. Gary Richmond never led a team to a state championship. He got a team to a state final. There are teams that Gary Richmond had that never got to a state final who could have beaten who came out of the East in years. Let's just call it for what it is. There are teams who – I'll give you a prime example. 1999, when West Charlotte, arguably the greatest boys basketball team ever in state history, that West Forsyth team that West Charlotte blitzed in the, in the state semifinal – could have beaten about anyone who came out of the East. Wow. No, the chasm is not closing. It hadn't closed in 50 years. It's not closing now, and it's not closing anytime soon. All right. The, the, <laughs> Alex has spoken. Rick, what do you have to say? <laughs> well, if you, if you look at the history on the boys' side at the um, public school level, there's a lot of balance as far as state championships are concerned. Because, you know, you look at last year – in the 4A, Millbrook won the you know the state championship at the 3A Weddington. 2A was Farmville Central, and 1A was um, Wilson Prep. So if you look at it on the boys' side, as far as state championships, you have to say the East has done pretty good. Um, you go back to 2019 before COVID, you had a split between two state champions at the East and also two at the West. So I think when you talk about state championships on the boys' side, there's been pretty good balance. Okay. Right the that girl. does not account for the West's domination for 20 years. It was ridiculous. You went through 90 to 2010, and the West dominated. The last two years doesn't make up for this. Okay, but, but Rick, the, the talent gap, not necessarily the team accomplishments, do you think there's a talent gap between the East and West? Well, there's going to be more talent in the West because of the population, and you have, you know, you have a large metropolitan city like Charlotte, but if you also look at the eastern part of the state, they have produced some really high-caliber players. Yeah. If you talk about players that's gone on to play at the next level, the NBA, all you have to do is look at um, Adrice Adebayo from the eastern part of the state, um, Brandon Ingram, Kobe White. So there's a lot of talent that's come through the eastern part of the state. Absolutely. Randall, of the public schools closing the gap on the private schools, it seemed like we were definitely there a year or two ago, but is that the case still now? Oh, yeah. And it, it's getting closer and closer by the day. Uh, you know, I think for a lot of the private schools, um, to be honest, private school basketball is down again this year, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I think, you know, especially when you look at, you know, the 4A around here, I think it makes it super competitive. Um, I think there's a, there's teams that you can beat every night and there's teams that can be beat every night. It's kind of weird 
Uh, you don't have any nights off. So for, for from a fan standpoint, that's a good thing. But, I mean, when you look at the public schools, especially in the Charlotte area, I think, you know, you look at Chambers, you look at North Mech, you look at West Charlotte. Even, even Myers Park, you know, who played a, a brutal non-conference schedule, and now they get to league play, and they're, and they're, they're rolling. You know, they've won seven of their last nine, schools like that. Sure. I mean, I think that talent gap has gotten extremely smaller. And, you know, it goes back to the conversation of why can't we have a, a champions battle at the end of this thing? Take all the private <laughs> school take all the public school champions, and, and let's see who, who, who the best is. The only no, problem with that not. is the, the no, private schools not. get done. The private schools get done like February twenty second. Yeah, private schools I, don't get done until March. I, I understand why we can't do it. I understand no, that part. But I'm saying logistically, it might be kind of yeah. tough. I, I think we sure. should do it because it's not like a lot of basketball players are playing baseball or something. So I, I think that's sure. that's not a big deal. Chelsea, I think, a, I think there's a certain someone that's on this panel that that could work his magic and, and put something together like that. But that's just me. <laughs> Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The girls. Absolutely <laughs> well, Chelsea, from a student perspective, do you think public schools is caught up to private schools? Um, I think so. They have, especially like I go to a four A school. You know, we see teams like that who just, you know, come out and really can beat any team. You know, despite them being private or public, and um, especially like the teams in the West that Randall listed. Um, you know, they just have these teams every year that really dominate and can beat. Yeah. You know high-level public schools, but can also be high-level private schools. Yeah, absolutely. Gary, what, what I've been noticing is that more and more of the public schools are kind of taking a page out of the private school playbook by playing these tough non-conference schedules, going to big-time Christmas tournaments and getting battle-tested early. Chambers boys, Myers Parks girls, we got Mia Zaris on earlier. They played a brutal schedule. Chambers' girls have played a brutal schedule. And those teams are now getting battle-tested in the same way we used to see the private schools. Does that have anything to do with the fact that public schools are running it down? Or more kids just um, Yeah, Yes, I think that helps. But I think you also find, you know, what's the unwritten thing here is a lot of kids – are conjugating at certain public schools um, that make the public schools more competitive as opposed to, let's say, 20 years ago where, you know, schools may have a cycle of three or four years of being strong and then have three or four years of being weak. Now you have various programs in the public schools that kids are feeding into by, uh, you know, transfer or move in or whatever. and they're conjugating it at maybe two or three schools per conference. And those programs are able to compete uh, at the private school level and even on the national level because kids are, are uh, going to the school of their choice mm-hmm. as opposed to the school that they're assigned to. All right. Rick, final word. Well, I, I think the point is you're seeing a lot of the public schools now, especially in the Charlotte area, and also some of your top public schools team in each part of the state, try to play a more difficult non-conference schedule. And, you know, case in point is, is Chambers. I mean, you know, I spoke to Brian Frazier last night and I said, hey, thanks for coming to the event. He goes, he goes, I enjoy the platform because I'm able to put Chambers on the map to show that we'll play any private school team, any non-association team, and show that we are just as good as anybody else in the state. And I think that's the right approach. Yeah, well, I think the public school is definitely taking a page from the private schools in that regard. Um, Alex, does it bother you when, when players on teams aren't uniformed? They're not wearing the same type of shoes, the same type of leggings and, and, and you know, under things. Does that bother you? I'd like to begin by answering this question by affirming for everyone that this question is planted. This is a trick. It is definitely planted. And this is a setup by Langston Works. Right? Definitely a exactly what I'm going to say. So let's. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, yes, it bothers me. And what should happen every single time? You know, actually, I was. It, it took a little longer for me to sign on because I was looking for one of my officials' whistles. We have too many times when officials take a lot of heat, and people aren't supposed to make critical remarks about officials in media. Well, I'm going to turn the page here. I'm going to affirm officials and affirm them if they would step up and do something positive to help the game by making a certain call. Every single time, every single time a jersey is untucked, 
No way. Every no single way. time. Every nah. single no time way. you have oh, mismatched God. leggings. Check oh, this out. Every <laughs> single time somebody comes out with jewelry, oh, roll shorts, or any of this other nonsense, roll shorts? Out. Every what in the Alex, what are you I'll talking you about? Why. I will tell you why. Because oh, it is God. in the rule book. Oh, and God. these things not being called are the reasons. These oh, things not being called are the reasons that kids cannot play the game correctly. All of the when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These things, all of these things heighten the utmost disrespect and desecration of the game that we are seeing today. Uh, you wonder why kids can't play the game well? Because so many of them have no respect for the game. Okay, and when you well, can't dress appropriately, <laughs> and it's not going to be called, it has to be called every time. Okay. If we have 12 technical fouls in a game, I don't care. Get in uniform <laughs> and do it right. Alex, Alex right. Are, you, are you telling me are you telling me that a rule book that hasn't been updated probably in 30, 40 years is, is the reason for all this because officials don't want to read the, the, the rule book? Like why technical file? Why take a the kid these kids they're expressing their individualism. Like they, they like to be uniform. different. There's nothing wrong with it. You know why? Because when you turn on when you turn on to address when you turn on when you turn the NBA when you turn on NBA games, guess what? They they not wearing the same shoes. They aren't wearing the same leggings. When you turn on college games, they're not wearing the same shoes, they're not wearing the same leggings. So guess what? If you if you can't do it at the top, and that's what these kids are watching. Why are we why are we holding them to a, a different why standard? Are we holding them to a different standard? Standard? Hold on, hold I'll on, tell you why we're holding them to Alex, a different standard. Alex, this Alex. is the NBA, the No Balling Association. <laughs> we are dealing with education-based <laughs> oh. athletics. Okay, that Alex. is a different standard. Alex, Alex, Alex. Okay, <laughs> we, we get it. all right, Chelsea. Chelsea, I want to get the teenage view of this. What, what's your view on, on the individualism with with uniform, with shoes and leggings, and you know the add-ons that kids have? Yeah, um, I personally like don't care. You know, when I look at a team and see they have different shoes, and you know, one player has an arm sleeve or a different color, you know, legging or whatever. Um, and I think especially at this age, where like kids you know we all love the like new shoe releases and stuff there's a lot of kids who are like into customizing their own shoes mm -hmm. I think that's really cool you know when a player goes on the court and they get to you know show off their shoes or whatever um specifically that but I think as long as you know they have the same jersey you know I think the only thing about the jerseys I don't care about rolled shorts but um as long as it's tucked in you know because then parents from the stands always yell about that you know, I know a lot of kids come out with the jersey untucked and leave yeah. it untucked the whole game. Gary, yeah. as a coach, does this bother you? It, I can't stand it. I'm like, I'm just like Alex. Oh okay, God. listen. Uniform, uni means one. One. Yeah. The jersey is the same. The shorts are the same. The socks should be the same. And the shoes should be the same. Now, Randall's talking about, Randall's talking about individuality. Here's how you put your individuality on it. Okay, as a coach, what I would do in the preseason is I would get my seniors together. I'd have the shoe rep come to the school. Yeah. I said, show me all your brands, Nike, Adidas, whatever, mm -hmm. in, in the school colors, white or dark. And then I'd let the team, i let the seniors pick which color they wanted to wear, which brand they wanted to wear. But everybody was going to wear the same brand. I said, you can pick the socks. You can get white socks, you can get black socks, you can get pink socks, but everybody is going to wear the same sock because that's what uni means. It means one. Now, Randall's talking about the individuality. If you want your individuality, play well. People will recognize your individual name if you play hey, well. Hey, Coach Richmond, you know how I play well? In the words of the greatest football player I've ever seen, 
If you look good, you play good. Hard, no. Nope. Oh, but I'm gonna let them look good. I'm gonna let them pick. The, I'm gonna let them pick the uniform. But then oh, everybody's man. gonna wear the same one. Chelsea had a point about combine. What did you see with combine, Chelsea? Um, they're a New Balance team, so they all have the same. I want to say it's the same shoe style, even. But um, no, nah, they definitely don't have the same shoe style because Patrick Wesley wears like a size twenty-two, so he can't wear the shoes <laughs> that other kids are wearing. I'm going to do everyone. They, they all have uh, reserve <laughs> my comments ways. about combine. <laughs> all right, but uh, let's, let's let Chelsea finish your point. Go ahead, Chelsea. Um, it's all the same, you know, New Balance shoe brand. They just have different colorways, different colorways same okay. socks, same everything, yeah. but just a colorway. I think it's, I just think it's a, a uh, sign of the times, I guess. I don't know. I don't like to roll short. Some of these kids rolling their shorts are way, way too high. Yeah. It's, it's just not, that's not cool. Listen, like, there's somebody in your household rolling their yeah. shorts way yeah. too high. So yeah, I, I, can't stand, I can't stand it. No, I can't, <laughs> believe me, he hears about it too. Um, Rick, how long do you think it'll be before high school recruiting gets back to its pre-COVID normals? It, it's going to be a, a, a while, probably five or six years. It, it may not even be that soon, unfortunately, because with the NCAA, you're able to transfer without sitting out a year. I think that's the biggest culprit altogether. Yeah. Um, my advice to a lot of young players is if you have offers, you know, legit offers or committable offers, during your senior year, you need to really entertain those offers and not wait till the very end of the year because the later you wait, college <laughs> coaches are now taking the approach. We're saving one to two scholarships mm -hmm. for the transfer portal. So I think it's here to stay, unfortunately. Gary, is the portal always going to rule? Until they change the rules of the portal, that's what it's, that's what it's come down to. Um, I've heard several college coaches say, I have 40% of my scholarships will go to the portal, 40% will go to grad transfers, and 20% to high schools. So if, if you're an elite four or five-star recruit, I think you're fine as far as the, um, the uh, recruiting period goes. But anything less than that, as Rick said, if you get a committable offer, you better go ahead and take it because – they're not going to wait around for you to make a decision. They're going to move on to the next. In fact, a lot of no, Division I, I, I schools have put – have started hiring people just for the transfer portal. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. I do think, though, Rick and Gary, I think I don't, it may be two or, three, two or three years. There's just not going to be enough players still mm -hmm. in college with eligibility without going to the high schools more than 20%. I think the – the percentage is going to go up in high school. I do think the portal is always going to be a factor, but they got to have fresh players at some point because they're going to run out. Even the, the guy who was a, a super freshman this year, freshman, he's going to run the eligibility at some point. Uh, Gary, who is your favorite, your ace, your favorite, early favorite? <laughs> I'm tongue tied. Who's your early favorite for ACC player of the year? On the women's side is the, the post player from North Carolina State. Um, Kanai. Kanai. Yeah. And on the men's side is – um, was it Panchero for Duke? Thank you. And uh, with Baycock right close behind. Randall, come on now, Baycock close behind. Like he's had, he's had, he's had one and a half good weeks, Coach Richmond. Like, <laughs> like no, let's not act like he Duke what, had like he 90, ninety points and sixty. Rebounds. Listen, what he did last week was super impressive. Like his dad made a point. Hubert obviously listened, and he came and he answered the bell. I completely commend him for how he played the last week and a half. Banchero is is the is the clear favorite right now, and saying that Armando was close is is, is rough. But you know, I, I agree. I agree with with both of his his picks so far. I, I like where Coach Richmond started at, so that we're we're in a good place right now. All right, all right, cool. Well, that's the rundown, and now we got to bring in. Uh, Miss Mia Zaris of Myers Park High School. How you doing, Mia? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. How how's the team this year? Well, our team's been awesome. I guess every uh, game we played in North Carolina, we've really showed out really well, and we played really hard competition um, non-conference. And I guess I'm just really enjoying my season this year. 
Yeah, we were just talking about, and I don't know if you heard in the green room, about how more public schools are playing really hard schedules to kind of get ready for conference play. I mean, talk about some of the teams you guys have played this year because you guys have seen some of the best of the best. And, and how has that helped you? I guess, like, metal <laughs> sharpens metal. And to be a great team, like, we have to, like, play great competition. And that's how we're going to play better in the conference playoffs and then the state playoffs, of course. So, I just really think that's how it's going to be. Now, you guys also beat Chambers, the two-time uh, state champions. Uh, do you think you guys have a real shot to make a run, you know, come February and March? Yeah, hopefully. That was a great win. And, yeah, I was really happy about the outcome of that. And we played really hard and executed everything really well. So, hopefully we go far in playoffs. Absolutely. Randall, um, you, you work out, Ms. Zare. So, tell us about her strengths and weaknesses. Well, strengths, she, she can shoot She can shoot the lights out as long as she goes and, and does it. Sometimes she gets a little gunshot for some reason. I have no idea. Um, she's, a, she's a great teammate. The personality that you see right now on the camera is how she is all the time. Just goofy, loves life, and just and enjoys everything. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not surprised to see that Myers Park got out to the great start that they did. You know, they had some tough – you know, road test early. They went to D.C. and played some games up there. They went to Tennessee and played down there. So don't be fooled by the 12-5 and five record right now. Like, they're going to play people, and they're getting ready, you know, for conference, for the conference tournament, and, and for the state playoffs. Man, would you rather play the schedule you guys have played and kind of play you know, Cupcake City and be 17-0 and 0 right now? Oh, I'd way rather play the schedule like we played right now. Like, I would not want to play – easier comp because that's not going to prepare us well for the future and further games. Like I'm really happy with like the struggles and the adversity we faced. Tell me what it's like to play for Barbara Nelson. I'm on record as saying she's the GOAT coach, but what's it like playing for her? Cause I know she can be hard too. She really is like the GOAT coach. Like I love her. Like we're really close. Like everyone on the team, like, that's kind of our like grandma kind of mom. Like Oh no, you got cool. a grandma. Uh oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> To the baseline, to the baseline. No, she's actually going to make us run for that. But she's just awesome. Like going into practice every day, like it's just a great time. Like I have a fun time just seeing her face at school, seeing my players at school. And just we always hang out off the court, on the court. Like we're just really like a family culture. And I just have had a really good start to the season so far. And I can't wait for the future next year with her. Be careful. You're making it sound like going to Myers Park is a fun thing. <laughs> it is. It is. I love Myers Park. <laughs> All right. Well, since you're on the show, you know you got to take on Randall in the game show. Randall is uh, 0-0-1. He came back from a big deficit last week to save his hide somehow on Chase Low. I don't know how it happened. But you got to knock him out because we need it. We need him to be like Sam Griner, start taking some. Listen, time. listen. There's no, there's absolutely no way she can beat me because her playing time this summer depends on on, on how she does on this game. So, <laughs> so she better go. She better be smart and go ahead and take it right out the gate. Me, you're don't losing, listen. bro. You're you're losing. Uh, you're yeah, not okay. good at this. Yeah. All right. Now here, before before we start, you have to yeah, let Barry finish the question before you answer. You're first. So let, yeah, you're gonna be first, but you gotta let Gary finish the question before you answer, and then Randall be first the next one, and we'll go you know back and forth. Okay, sounds good. We're gonna get started on the backside of Randall's theme music. Let me drop his theme. I'm Randall Clark. I am not Sam Griner. You will not beat me on the game show. Are you ready, Mia? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, let Gary read the question. Here we go. All right. The popular rapper, this popular rapper has been nominated for 16 Grammy Awards, but has never won one. Who is he? A, Snoop Dogg, B, Drake, C, Common, D, LL Cool J. All right, Mia. Uh, this is a tough one. I'm just going to say A. A, Snoop Doggy Dog. What you got, Randall? Snoop Dogg got some new hot dogs coming out called Snoop Dogs. What you got, um, Randall? I'm going A, Snoop Dogg as well. That is the correct answer. You both are off to a good start. There we go. Did you guess, Randall, or did you know that? No, nah, I knew it was Snoop. 
I totally guessed. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you guessed right. I'm glad you guessed right. Let me uh, go to Chelsea's question. Chelsea? Which popular young actress will star as Ariel, the lead role in Disney's upcoming The Little Mermaid? A, Zendaya. B, Halle, ba Halle ba Bailey. C, Millie Bobby Brown. Or D, Allison Fernandez. Randall. Holly Bailey. Holly D. Bailey. What you got, Mia? I'll say C, Millie Bobby Brown. No, you went the wrong way, Mia. Randall's up two to one. It is Holly Bailey. Hey, let's go! <laughs> if they ever make a Janet Jackson uh, documentary, Holly Bailey should play Janet Jackson. She's like her twin. Kind of. <clears throat> uh, next one. Oh, this is a good one. Gary? All right, this one is uh, about Dawn Staley. I'm going to preface this by saying uh, she's my favorite women's coach. Um, she came and talked to my team uh, after state championship. We had just gotten beat, and she was in the hallway, and she said, Coach, I've been through this. You want me to talk to him? And I said, have at it. And she really lifted their spirits after losing a tight game, so I got mad respect for it. Dawn Staley. But anyway, here's the question. Before she became a national champion at South Carolina, which Division I school did Dawn Staley coach? A, Virginia, B, Maryland, C, Temple, D, UMass. All right, Ms. Harris, you were up. This is, like, really sad. I don't know this because I just went to, like, the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. But, uh... <laughs> Is a B. B. Maryland. Randall, what you got? I'm gonna go with her alma mater. I'm gonna go with Miss Staley coached Temple first. She coached Temple first. She went to Virginia. That's her alma mater. She went to Virginia, yeah. yeah so I'll see. I only remember Temple, so that's good. She <laughs> was at she was, she was at Temple when she came and talked to my team. And so your answer is A, Virginia? <laughs> no, my no, my answer is Temple. Oh, Temple. No, no, Temple. Temple. Temple's I said Temple. I just wanted to be sure because you said Alma Mater. Yeah, I said Temple. She didn't go. She didn't oh, go. yeah. That means a dub. That means a dub for Mr. RC. Uh, no. no you, were, you were in this same position last week. Oh, no. I don't think so. You, he, he, see, he's adding questions trying to get you this win. I'm not adding. I'm not adding. adding questions trying to get you this win, Harris. here we go. <laughs> In 2021, the NCAA Playing Rules Oversight Panel approved moving back the women's three-point line. What is the distance now? A, 22 feet, 1 and 3 fourths inches. B, 23 feet. C, 20 feet, 9 inches. D, 19 feet, 9 inches. Right, who's first this time? Who went first last time? Randall's turn. Okay, it's Randall's turn. 20 feet, 9 inches, Chelsea. That's the answer C, Randall says. What do you think, Mia? I'm going to go see. The answer is A. Ah. Randall gets the W because you need to win the last two to tie. I know. We're, I, I we're thought gonna about do, that. We're going to do the last question just for fun. Randall will not know this one, though. Gary. All right. Uh, Langston, I'm going to sound like Dale on this one because these <laughs> names. Oh, my God. Uh, Doja Cat. Yep. It's the stage name of a popular American rapper, singer, and songwriter. What is her real name? A, Megan Pete. B, Diamond Cueva Valentine Harper. Yeah. C, Belcalis Almazar. Kind of. D, Amala Ratna Zendai. Daimini. That sounds like me reading the, the attendance <laughs> roster at, at, when I'm substituting. All right, Mia, which one of those is Doja Cat's real name? I'm going to go with B. B. Diamond. Randall, what do you think? It is Diamond. It is not Diamond. The answer is D. It's Amala. Oh, my God. Uh, Megan, <laughs> Pete, so Megan, Megan Pete is really Megan the Stallion. B is right. Saweetie. C is Cardi B. Those are all real names. That it it, it shocked oh me. My God. I got I got a little helper that goes to UNC Charlotte in uh, 
help me with these questions. But uh, um, me, it was, it was really cool having you on the show. Hopefully, we get you guys back when you start making that playoff run. Maybe we get you back with your grandma coach. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, you for it. having me. You said it, and I'm going to clip it. I'm no, just telling like, you. Delete that. Delete that. We don't need it. No, that's going out to the world. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Mia, at least you saved some playing time for yourself in the spring. <laughs> thank, you, thank you. All right, Mia. Take care of yourself. Good luck, all right? Bye. Thank you, guys. All right, bye -bye. All right, she's, she's a lot of fun. Enjoyed uh, Mia's there. Uh, unfortunately, she gave Randall a W. Wait a minute. I brought folks back, and it's actually Chelsea's time. So let me let me move uh, people out and let Chelsea have her. So this week, um, I interviewed class of 2024 Taylor Barner from Panther Creek Women's Basketball. And I helped out at the um, girls' John Wall Holiday Invitational. And they played games against NRCA, Garner, and St. Francis Academy from Maryland. And um, she just had a great, you know, run at the tournament. They came out with two wins and one loss. And her being a sophomore, I thought it would be really interesting to see how she really led the team being so young. Here I have Panther Creek women's basketball class of 2024, Taylor Barner. So Taylor, I want to start off by discussing conference play this season. You guys are currently undefeated 5-0. Just kind of talk about the success with those wins and how it is, you know, starting off with a winning foot. Um, I think it's a big thing. Definitely being able to play great teams like Green Level and Apex Friendship was definitely a good start to the season. And just being able to start like that to get through the rest of the conference was a really good start. That's great. And talking back to, you know, earlier, late December, you guys played in the girls' John Wall Holiday Tournament, playing two North Carolina teams, Garner and NRCA. You guys came off with wins. Um, talk about those games and how you guys pulled off those wins. Just being able to have the focus and practice before those games and then just going into the games with the same focus based on what our coach told us about the scouting reports, being able to, you know, implement that into the games and just follow what we talked about. That's great. And also in that tournament, you guys did come off with the loss to national team St. Francis Academy. Um, although they're out of state and, you know, have that really high reputation of the team they are, talk about the advantage of playing high level competition. I think that really showed us what we needed to work on as much as, you know, we don't like losing. I think we kind of needed that loss to see what we needed to work on and just being able to go harder in practice and having that game really helped us going into conference play. I like that. And Taylor, you're a sophomore class of 2024. Um, despite being so young, you're putting up those statistics that really lead the team to winning games. Kind of talk about the leadership role you play. Um, definitely being able to be aggressive, but also being that leader. Um, it's definitely been different stepping into that role comparing to last year where we had senior leadership. But I think just stepping into that role is definitely leading the team to our success so far. That's great. And to those who don't know you as a player, how would you describe your game style and what makes you a threat on the court? Uh, I definitely like playing fast, um, being able to drive to the basket whenever I can and being able to hit that open shot in the three, but also getting my teammates involved and running in transition is a big thing. I like that. And finally, what's an individual goal, maybe a team goal that you're working for? And this can either be for like, you know, your whole high school career till end of the you know senior year or just even for this year, this season. Um, well, as a team goal, definitely going to states and going further in playoffs than we did last year. And then an individual goal is just definitely maintaining that leadership role, um, just being able to step into that position and just stay up there and get, you know, my teammates and every everyone involved. I like that. And real quick, for a team goal like states, how would you guys push for that in practice or games? Just definitely being able to compete in practice, you know, do the little things that really, really get you that far in playoffs that really matter. That's great. Well, thank you so much for hopping on. Love getting to know you as a player and best of luck this season. Thank you. Another great job, Chelsea. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, another great job. Uh, and uh, Taylor Barner on uh, a Panther Creek team that's right in the thick of a conference championship race with some big games coming up with Green Level and Apex Friendship in the next couple of weeks. Really going to determine some things going forward and what's a very, very strong conference. Now with her producing at that level as a sophomore, Coach Richmond, I wanted to ask you this. 
because you've had to do this many, many times over. Championship level teams and, and your 03 team had, I mean, you had senior leaders in, in, in Kerry Metzger and, and types like that, but you also had to integrate in impact freshmen and sophomores in that deal. So you, you see a young lady like uh, Taylor, 21 points as a sophomore. How do you manage that dynamic, particularly with a team that's going to contend? I mean, we, we can say, yeah, do you want to win? But you got to work with them every day. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, with with the when you have a young star, you have to get the team to understand that you're, you're playing to win, and you play, you look for mismatches. And apparently, with her points average, she is a mismatch, and so you're going to attack the mismatch. Okay, that doesn't mean you take away some of the leadership abilities of the seniors. I mean, you still let the seniors or the captains make decisions that affect the team maybe off the court. You know, hey, where we having pregame meal? Uh, what uniform you want to wear tonight? Uh, what time you want to leave? You know, those are still leadership things that your seniors can have. But when you get on the court, it's about winning and attacking the mismatch and putting your best player, and trust me, kids understand who's the best player on the team. They're not naive to that. And, and if they want to win, then, you know, they have to trust in the coach to go to a younger player if the younger player is bet. It's, you know, like you said, I had two seniors uh, when I went to the state championship, but I also had two freshmen. And those two freshmen were power five recruits. So um, they understood that they were in the lineup because they were talented and they could play. And if, if you know, you generally want to win, then age doesn't make a difference. Chelsea, what do you think uh, Panther Creek's chances are of making a deep run in the playoffs? Um, I think they're really solid. I think they're a team that plays really well together and just Seeing how they be, you know, high-level teams like NRCA and Garner, NRCA also being like a private school, um, I think that really showed that they can play any level of competition and really just prepares them, you know, for that conference play. Now, now we, all, we all go ahead, Coach. Yeah, I was about to say we traditionally when when we hear about Wake County basketball, the first thing comes up is Southeast Raleigh, yeah. and uh, they've developed a culture over there. What type of culture? is being developed at, at Panther Creek that um, can combat some of the traditional powers in Wake County? Um, I think just like, you know, the team that they're building this year, you know, starting off with like a young player, you know, they could, they'll have her for two more years, you know, and also just like, you know, taking young players like that and, you know, sticking up with that culture for the next few years. Um, no, no, the real it's always good to have a stud for three more years, Chelsea. It's always, yeah. good. It's always good. She's averaging 20 as a freshman. She's going to average 30 as a senior. She's good. She's yeah. Good. You know, so they'll be around for the long run, and, you know, they'll only get better and, you know, just continue rebuilding. Now, yeah. I, I, I didn't hear – I didn't hear anything like Charlotte, there'll be somebody that happens to move into Panther Creek. Yeah. <laughs> well, how, how, how tall is she and what position does she play? Um, I could not tell you how tall she is exactly. Um, when I saw her in person, she was pretty tall, you know, maybe she's like yeah, five, eight. five, nine ish. Yeah, she looks yeah, five, eight, 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 nine. Eight, I think that's here. You want to talk about real winners? The real winners are the ones who appear on Chelsea's world. So, <laughs> so Chelsea, how can we make that happen? My Twitter is at Chelsea Sibble. If you want to be featured on Talking Preps and see with my segment, Chelsea's World. Please reach out to me on Twitter. Um, coaches, parents, players, if you have any recommendations, please send them over to, and I'd be happy to get in touch. Yeah, you know, it's funny. People say, you know, we're sleeping on player X and we don't write about player Y. And we're, we're saying, here's how you can be featured yeah. and be on the show and all the social media outlets of, of the two largest media properties in North Carolina, two largest media properties between D.C. and Atlanta. I mean, so, I mean, 
There you go. Well, Chelsea, look, thanks for coming on. <clears throat> Hopefully we'll look forward to who you have next week. Rick was commenting in the back how good a job you're doing. Mia Zaris was commenting how she watches you and she really likes you before the show. So people are watching and, you know, keep doing your thing. I really enjoy it. I'll see y'all next week. All right. Take care. All right, take care. Great job. Chelsea Simple, she's going to be a star. We've had we've been really lucky with Kenzie and Chelsea on the show. Uh, Kenzie's in Tennessee now. Shout out, Kenzie. I know you're checking out the show. Um, so uh, we're going to talk about Mr. and Ms. Basketball on the backside. Let me find it. On the backside. <laughs> So Alex and Randall, we're holding Pat this week. Holding Pat. Uh, I think we had some we had some good games this week. Um, some players on this list played really well. Um, so Ella Hobbs played well. 24-14 against North Megan. Losing effort, but good gracious. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, I, sometimes sometimes you just got to keep things the same. Um, you know, Miss Ayers, who was on the show earlier, she had a great week and. I really went back and forth and seeing it, seeing if she had cracked it. But uh, for the, for this week, uh, we're, we're keeping it the same. Well, I looked at Taylor Barner in that video clip, and I saw some of her highlights when Chelsea had sent me the, the interview. And I mean, she's a freshman, but she's the real deal. So I mean, you guys, this this list is going to be tough to crack. It's going to be even harder, Alex, when you guys have to start breaking it down, going to you know twelve and eight and three. I mean, is, is that going to be really difficult? Uh, no, it's not going to be difficult at all because when it all comes down to it. The player who's going to be Ms. Basketball is the one who ultimately takes her team, who uses her individual attributes, characteristics, and qualities most effectively to take her team to a higher level. And it looks like just looking at this group, that higher level is going to be the quantifiable standard of a state championship. That could be at the independent school. That could be at the 2A. That could be at the 3A. That could be at the 4A. That could be at the 1A. That's going to have to be a quantifiable standard just looking at this list right here. So that well, one, one of one prep doesn't have a state championship, so they just have to keep winning, I guess, for Ella Hobbs to. I'm sure. Listen, they're going to play. They're going to play enough enough really good games where she's going to be able to. If she puts them in a position to be very successful, what she's done so far, like she's going to have a shot at it. You know, hey, shout we, out to North Met for defeating them because they yeah, are, uh, they, and they went small and, and sped the game up, and they you know double teamed her and tried to harass her. I mean, she had a monster game, it was particularly the second half. But yeah, shout out to North Met. Jennifer Baker had a great game plan. Uh, before I have Rick talk about the boys side, I did want to make a point. Somebody was telling me the other day about Chase Lowe being on this list and questioning whether he should be on this list. I don't do this list. This is Rick's list. Rick is the guru. There's nobody knows more about high school basketball in the state of North Carolina than Rick Lewis, just like in football, Chris Hughes is on here. And there's a reason why I have those two guys on here, and we're so lucky to have them because there's nobody that knows the sport the way they do and cares about the sport the way they do. But back on Chase Lowe, he may not be Mr. Basketball ultimately, but there's no player in North Carolina, in my opinion, who is more valuable to his team. And I think there's a difference between Mr. Basketball Player of the Year and most valuable player, Rick. But I, I don't see a player who's more valuable to his team than Chase Lowe. Weddington is not number one in the Charlotte Observer Sweet 16 in ranked. And you're going to have your state rankings of his shortly, whatever they're ranked in your state rankings, without this young man. It baffles me that college coaches aren't knocking his door down. He's a great ambassador for your program, a wonderful defender, and I think his jump shots are only going to improve. Anyway, I'm off my, my soapbox. Tell us about your Mr. Basketball watch list. I see no changes. Well, I, I think everybody got a chance to listen to Chase Lowe last week, and he's an articulate young man. He's a four-point you know, plus GPA student, but – all you have to do is look at Weddington and see how valuable he is to the team. Mr. Basketball is not going out to the player who's the best player in the state, but I think it's the player who's most valuable that can help their team win a state championship. He did that last year at Weddington, and this year they're undefeated. And just to give you a good example, they played a very good Cannon team yesterday, and it was a very close game. And down the stretch, Chase Lowe stepped at the free throw line, hit four for four free throws in the last minute of the game. Remember, Greg, anybody on this, anybody that's not on this list that you think might crack it soon? No, I mean, this list from Sanford to Wessler to, I mean, the big night that Mr. Tyson had last night. I mean, I, I haven't seen a list that has been this thorough and this respectable in a long, long time. 
I think everybody on this list has a has a legit shot at, at being Mr. Basketball. I think the best part about the list, though, is that not only are, are these really good basketball players, but their teams win. And I honestly don't think that enough emphasis is placed on winning. And to me, winning matters. And when you look at this list and you look at these teams and, and what they do, they win. Yeah, um, I, I think it's I think it's a very good list. I think eventually um, it's going to be really difficult for the guru to to start trimming it down. Uh, but uh, well, I, well, you know, well, Lex, what, what I would like to say is, you know, I, I look at it like this. It's like you said, it's most valuable to their team. No, that's my opinion. Not yeah, and, and to their team success. Yeah. And a lot of people are looking at it. Well, what is their college potential? Well, they're not in college. They're in high school. So we're talking about where their feet are now, not where they're going. Yeah, because we we run into that a lot. You know, I I do a number of radio shows every year. And one of the most popular questions I get, because I've done this so long, you know, tell me about the five or ten best players that you've you've covered. And I always have to add a caveat. Are you talking about what they did in high school or what they did since that point? Because, mm-hmm. you know, if I put together a list, it wouldn't have Stephen Curry in my top five or top ten. And people are like, well, Steph Curry is, you know, the best player in the world or one of the best players in the world. And, Randall, I did say that. Put it in the chat. Um, <laughs> but he wasn't one of the best high school players. He's a great high school player, but he's not one of the ten best I've, I've covered. So I think there's always – I think people do look at it that way again. And one guy, Rick, is, is Jaden Epps from Combine uh, potentially on your list going to Illinois recruit? Um, after the performance he had yesterday, he should be. <laughs> you know, um, big-time players step up in big-time games, and um, they were playing the number one team in the country in Sunrise Christian, and he had a game that, you know, was very impressive. So, you know, probably next week we may want to add him, but the problem is when you add one, you got to drop one. got to take one out. <laughs> that, that's a is combine good enough to go to the Dicks, you think? Or the games like that going to hurt Oh, I, I, I think that they have an opportunity to go. Um, if you look at their record, um, you know, they went to Memphis and played two um, top 10 teams and they won and they played Sunrise Christian, who was the number one team in the country and lost in overtime. Yeah. So, you know, their resume speaks for itself. They have an opportunity. And the thing about it is it's a legitimate school and they have no postgrads on the team. So they would qualify. Yeah, I, lo- I love to see North Carolina teams go. And we were talking in the in the green room about how Mars Park had a chance to go in the state, ruled against them, which kind of hurt, you know, kind of hurt a little bit. I wanted to see them go. I, I love uh, to see the team. And having been there when my sons were Providence Day, I mean, it's a great experience. They treat you like a king. And right. I mean, it, it's something that you'll never, you know, as, as, as a player, you'll never forget. All right, now it's time to see who made our uh, state rankings. Uh, Randall and Rick on the backside. Alex, I see some shuffling this week. Yes and no. Um, Lower level shuffling because of a couple of outcomes, but ultimately it's the beat goes on. Charlotte Catholic, Northern Guilford, East Forsyth, Myers Park, Chambers. I mean, yeah, that I talked about how we're going to see something shortly that Panther Creek Apex Friendship Green level. They're all in the same conference. They've got some big games coming up right there over the next couple of weeks. So that's going to shake out a little bit. But the prevailing point I want to make here is like we were talking about earlier on in terms of the balance of power and talent in the West. You're looking at this list and the West just surpasses the East time and again. There is no balance of power, let alone a shift that's forthcoming. The thing I want to note this week is I'm very glad that Shelby made its way into the top 10 finally, because truth be told, I'd put Marasia Pass and Kate Hollifield and their crew against most 4A schools out of the East, if it really comes down to it. Well, they gave Chambers a fit early this year, and Chambers is the two-time 4A state champion. Alex, if this comes true, your top eight, the Eastern and Western Final Fours are going to be bananas. No, they're not. Um, no, I, I, I don't. I, no, it, it's not. It's not going to be bananas. I mean, yeah, you, you, you bananas. Yeah, uh, go go get you a banana split and enjoy watching the West get the job done. Well, I'm not I'm saying the Final Fours, not necessarily the state championships. I'm just saying the Final Fours. If you get Catholic and East Side, Marsh Park and Chambers, 
in in wherever are that they're, they're playing, Hickory or Greensboro, wherever they're playing. That's one heck of a Final Four. Marsh Park beat South Meg by like 30 last week. I mean, that was an impressive win. South Meg's really good. They got one of the best players in the state. Um, that, that was that was an impressive win. And I think Shelby hasn't played a lot due to – I don't know if it's COVID or whatever. They haven't played a lot, but they're very, very impressive as well. And that's probably good for everyone left on Shelby's schedule because you could take that Shelby team and put them in the East and line them up against most 4A schools and they get the job done. I think Salisbury's got something to say to Shelby before Shelby comes out of the West. I think that's going to be an interesting battle. Salisbury is always athletic, well-coached, quick, fast, and they're not afraid. I think one of the things that Shelby does, they intimidate you before they come on the floor. But I tell you what. Cofield said back in 2013 before the state final when Statesville played – uh, Oxford Webb and mm-hmm. Isaiah Hicks, like Sonny Schofield said, anybody lining up against Shelby in the West until they get the job done, I'm not falling for it. Alex, I mean, uh, Randall, a lot of people told me last week they're really surprised that Charlotte Catholic's ranked number one. Is that a legitimate team? I mean, we know all about Blanca Thomas, top 10 national recruit, callers, you know, the female Shaq of North Carolina. Is that a legitimate team around her that can take them to a state championship? Can they knock off Myers Park and East Forsyth and Northern Guilford and Chambers and those type of teams if, if they have to be? It's a legit team. She anchors the defense on the back end, and offensively they're, they are starting to figure out how to get her to basketball. But don't get it. Don't get me wrong. They have other kids that can play this game. And mm-hmm. the big thing about them is they have kids that – understand their roles. Alanis Diaz, transfer that just came in this year, is doing a great job of running the show. She plays hard on both ends. She understands the game. Um, Grayson Goff is another one who's stretching the floor, knocking down threes. Charlotte Catholic is a matchup nightmare because they have kids that understand their roles and they're able to throw different things at them. You know, the kids that, you know, are there for defensive purposes, understand their job and they're going to go do it. I think they're a legit number one. And if you didn't think so, after what they did to East Forsyth last week, it shouldn't be a question. <laughs> yeah, I, I've kind of viewed them as kind of the girls' version of Weddington. You know, girls who know each other, like each other, <coughs> and as you say, understand their roles and, and have a legitimate start. Blanca Thomas is as good as anybody in the nation. Uh, Gino doesn't come to Charlotte just to, you know, for giggles and laughs. Rick, boys' side, I kind of see the same thing. Like you took a, a you know, one of those little jars and shuffled everybody up. Well, we just flip-flopped um, Chambers and, and Carmel Christian. If you talk about Chambers, they had a, a really good couple of weeks. They went on the road to beat North Mech at North Mech, and also last night they beat Carmel at Carmel. So and they're sitting at 9-5, and five, but, you know, again, we talk about strength of schedule, and you look at it and go, wow, you know, they've beaten some really good teams. You go on the road and beat North Mech, you know, um, Carmel Christian, they also beat the Burlington School, which is, you know, number two in our statewide ranking. So they have some very quality wins. Their losses came to mostly non-association teams like Combine and Dream City. So, you know, I think, you know, the the thing with with, um, Chambers is we've said it all along on paper, they have the best talent. I think right now what you're seeing is is Coach um, Brian Frazier cultivating the talent and trying to develop that chemistry. So they're really a team to really, really watch at the uh, 4A level. So, you know, you're looking at, you know, flip-flop. You know, you got Weddington and Julius Chambers both played last night, and those teams could be on a collision course, you know, in in the western part of the state. Another team, uh, number 13, that I think has really come along is Gaston Day. I think uh, Trent McAllister's done a wonderful job over there. He has a three-guard offense, and he has a 6'11 guy in Callum Richard who's been really, really good this year. Mm-hmm. Another team I want to talk about um, is Myers Park. Again, let's go back to the strength of schedule. Um, they've lost five games, but every one of the games they've lost is teams that are probably ranked in the top ten. Um, you look at Chambers, Weddington, Dorman, the Burlington School, and Audrey Kale. I think they're a team on the rise, too. And you have Sir Muhammad and also Elijah Strong as the you know one-two anchor um, mm-hmm. at the four and the five. Well, you know, Sir Muhammad does play the point for him. So you got those two as a one-two scoring punch. Um, after that, I have um, Jordan um, out of Durham. Um, they're a type of team that's really coming on. They're at 12 and two. They lost two early games. But uh, you look at their lineup, they're a young team, and they got a lot of balance. In the, in, and that's the most important thing is when I looked at their scoring, they have six guys that's almost averaging 10 points a game. 
So when you have that kind of balance, it, it really does bode well for you as a team. Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, one team I think you're going to have to watch out for is Cannon School, the two-time private school champ starters. They had a really tough start to the season. They've had a lot of injuries. Uh, star point guard Austin Schwartz, who's looking like he's mid-major plus high-major kind of talent, had a knee injury. They played Providence Day the other day on one day of practice, which was the first time all season they had their whole team together. Went to Providence Day, which is top 12 or number 12 in your poll, beat Providence Day in, in a close game, rallied late to win, kind of stole that game, gave Weddington a fit in your tournament on Saturday. I, I think, you know, Cannon School looks like a team that's going to make a run and make that that private school playoff uh, in the 4A class even more difficult. Randall, would you agree or disagree with that? No, I would agree. Um, you know, it, it's crazy that as it is, you get to, you know, almost the middle of January and you finally get your team at full strength to have practice. It's, uh, you know, amazing. But, that you know, they've, they've, they've you know, battled. You know, they, they've kept things afloat. And now they get their whole team back. So it's going to be very interesting to see how things go now that they're in the conference play. But, I mean, they definitely got a great win Tuesday night beating Providence Day at their place. Absolutely. Uh, Alex, before we get out of here, I just want to ask you, Cleveland's a football school, is it not? And they're popping up 17 in our basketball pool. Well, what you have to realize is actually uh, Cleveland is a great example of the benefits of multi-sport participation in education-based athletics because there are a number of student athletes who were on that state quarterfinalist football team who have transitioned to the hardwood, including Cameron Goins, a sophomore wide receiver, football team who's uh, a guard averaging eight points <coughs> basketball team. So uh, a great testament to the power and the benefits of multi-sport participation. And you're seeing how a winning culture and a community-oriented culture really is permeating the entire school community and transcending multiple sports. So praise be Cleveland for the wonderful things that are going on there. And it really should reaffirm for everyone the benefits and the efficacy of multi-sport participation as a hallmark of education-based athletics. That's one of the things I used to always, what Alex just harped on, I used to say that about Mallet Creek. When they had that run in football, I said if they would just, if they would allow five of those guys to play basketball, they would have been a top five basketball program, boys basketball program throughout the teens. But the coach wouldn't let them play basketball. And I, I thought that was a trap. They had to live, man. Yeah. <laughs> got to stay got to stay big. All right. It's time for Coach versus Coach. You guys, Gary was a hit last week talking about quadruple doubles. You went viral, man, talking about quadruple doubles. So me and Rick going to get out of the way. I'm going to play you theme music, and you guys can have a good time. All right, we got coach versus coach. Let's go ahead and do the coin flip here. Tails never fails. All right, tails it is. Randall Clark, you win. Uh, are you you want the ball or you want to defer? Oh, we're going to defer right here. I let coach go first. Okay. All right, sounds good. And my goodness, what is going on here? These questions are set up for me, by the way. <laughs> um <laughs> All right, uh, Coach Richmond, take it away. Uh, should the NCHSAA move state finals to locations beyond the greater triangle? And does this create an advantage for Eastern regional champions? And by the way, everyone, we've never discussed this on the show. But uh, Coach uh, Richmond, go ahead. Well, we, we had this uh, little debate earlier uh, before we went on the air. And <clears throat> I think they should rotate it. I think it should be East one year, West the next year, and, and rotate it. Um, they're, they're great facilities that could be used in the western part of the state, especially in Charlotte. And the fact that most of the time half the field comes from Charlotte, those schools ought to have the opportunity to play at home occasionally. Uh, so, yes, I think they should rotate it. So going, right, going, going, up, going up to Hickory to watch North Mac – Play play Olympic doesn't doesn't really really bode well for you, Coach Rich. Makes no sense at all. <laughs> uh, I, I think, Unless I think, you go on the Hickory and you while you're up there, you're gonna buy some furniture. Oh man, 
Clark is going to concur. I agree. Yes, sir. One hundred percent. No argument out of me on this one. <laughs> well, that was nice and easy. All, all right, game management here. Up three in the final ten seconds on defense. I'm not a fan of defense, by the way, in case anyone was wondering. Um, but up three in the final ten seconds, and you're defending. Are you fouling? Are you playing it out, Coach Clark? Take two dribbles and we're fouling. On the inbound, let them take two dribbles and we're fouling. We're not even going to let them get a shot up. We're not going to let them get it past half court. We're fouling. We're going to make you go to the free throw line. You're going to have to make the first one. You're going to have to miss the second one. You're going to have to get your own offensive rebound. Then you're going to have to score it again. I like my chances under 10 seconds. Coach Richmond? I'm not going to have a set rule. It's going to depend on my team. Can we rebound? He said, you know, Go make them make a free throw, and then you got to rebound to miss. Well, what if you're a short team and you're not, you've been getting killed on the boards all night? What are the chances you're going to get that defensive rebound? I'll take my chances on playing defense. What I am going to do instead of fouling, I'm going to trap the best player with the ball. Once they put it down, we're going to trap them and make somebody else beat us. But I'm not going to take my chances if I don't have a a, a a team with size or we're not a good rebounding team. I'm not going to take my chances with that. Because even if they make the three-pointer, we still got overtime. Now, right. Oh, I'm All playing right. to win. I'm not, pl I'm not playing for overtime. You, what, what, what Coach Moore say? You play to win the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm playing to win, but I'm playing to make sure the best player doesn't beat us. We're going to trap the best player. Because the best player is probably going to have a ball in their hand. But but uh, in, in a situation, might not overtime be the better option when it's one and done in the playoffs since you mentioned Coach Moore? Oh, no. No, I'm going to take my chance. Listen, I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to need for you to, to, to go down there and make a free throw and miss the second one and, and get your own rebound and then score again in, in less than eight seconds because we're going to let you get two dribbles off. All right, this last question here. All right, I want to preface this. The caveat here, okay, we're not talking about anyone who was trained by Randall Clark because we know the line's too close because all, all those kids can shoot. So we're not talking about anyone trained by Randall Clark because, yes, it is too close. But for all, all the other kids who haven't had that experience, is the three-point line in high school too close, Coach Richmond? No, I think it's just right. I think there should be some differentiation between the pros, college, and high school. And, of course, as you go up uh, levels in in competition, the, the structure of the game should change a little bit to make the competition even tougher. That's what, that's what you know, makes one level harder to get to than the previous level. So I like the line just where it is. It's incumbent upon the head coach to teach kids what a good shot is and who and and not only that, what a good shot is, what are your own limitations? You know, we have too many kids that are taking threes that are not good three point shooters, but they are allowed to take them because that's the style that the coach wants to play. Um, and I think that's the fallacy in in. Um, the three-point shot, but I don't think there's anything wrong with the distance at the high school level. All right, Coach Clark, for all those kids who haven't learned from you, who aren't at the point where a three-pointer is a chip shot and it goes in all the time, for all those kids who haven't gotten there, is it too close? It's actually funny that you said that, Alex, because my kids will probably say, yeah, we need to move it back because it is too close for that exact reason. But I agree with Coach Richmond here again. I think that, you know, you, you get to different levels and there has to be a difference uh, in each level of play. So I think you just leave it alone. And and like you said, kids got to learn what's a good shot and, a, and, a, and not a good shot. But the other big thing in, is that everybody is not a three-point shooter, but everybody also shouldn't be shooting a three anyway. And I think that's the part that's the biggest problem in high school is some guys who shouldn't be shooting a three are, are shooting threes, and that's where they get themselves into trouble. Mm -hmm. And there you have it, everybody. Uh, you everybody see, wants to be scary. scary. 
Everybody wants to be everybody. He revolutionized the game, but he also ruined the game. And he likes to say ruined the game. He's ruined the game in some respects as well. Yeah, yeah. We've had, he, and I, he and I have had that conversation before. <laughs> well, everybody, what you just saw right here is scary enough that Coach Richmond and Coach Clark were going head to head. It would be even scarier if we got them on the same coaching staff. That you'd have, you'd have no you'd have no chance right there. They you know? wouldn't be wearing rainbow tennis shoes. I tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, it's time to get out of here. And it's time to go to the start of the show and get us final thoughts. Piggybacking on what we just talked about inadvertently, it's okay to be a big. Everybody doesn't have to be a stretch. You can be a big and go dominate. I watched Riley from Providence Day the other night go down low. Make great post movement score down there. Elijah Strong and I had the conversation this summer of him being the best player in this league if he would just dominate the mid post. He did that this week. He averaged 26 and 11. It's okay to be a big. Embrace being a big. Does that mean you have to do everything with your back to the basket? No. But it means that if you can go dominate on a low block, go dominate on a low block, help your team win, and put a lot of pressure on the defense. I love that. I used to coach a kid who's a seven-footer now, and all he ever wanted to do was shoot three-point shots. He's always asking in the middle of the game, Coach, can I shoot three? <laughs> Richard, anything you're looking forward to this week before we got here? You know, I haven't even had a chance to look at the schedule for this week. <laughs> so. uh, not going to be doing a whole lot Monday and Tuesday. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. <laughs> going to be a whole lot of PPD <laughs> on Monday. Now, I'll be on max prep quite a bit today, just, you know, mapping out the schedule and the games for the upcoming, yeah, upcoming week. Yeah, no, it should be fun. Uh, this was a fun episode. We out, uh, Grace, if you're watching, we're out in an hour and five minutes. I know you're jealous. Um, <laughs> Well, thank you, everybody, for watching. That is Randall Clark, the best trade I know. That's Gary Richmond, my good friend, my Chapel Hill friend as well. It's, uh, my frat brother, Alex Bass, uh, the contrarian. Rick Lewis, the number one voice of high school basketball. I keep telling you guys thank that you. every week it matters. I'm Langston Worst Jr., and we are talking preps. Hey, get, get, give me your picks today, gentlemen. <laughs>